Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Zechariah were recorded in Malaysia a number of years ago. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentaries on the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, the book of Ezekiel, and the Minor Prophets. Available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as immediate PDF downloads from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. The one on the four, four carpenters, I'm not sure that uh, some say it's like uh, for the ministries of the time, the prophets that are rebuilding what has been undone in the past. Uh, some say it might be the uh, four, the kings of the Medo-Persian Empire, Cyrus and Darius and uh, Artaxerxes or Ahasuerus and so forth. So I really don't know the answer on that, but the purpose of the four carpenters was rebuild what the whole four horns uh, had, had done in the damage uh, to the nation before. So uh, beyond that, I, I, I don't know. All right, now I want to turn to Zechariah chapter 3, and we have a bit more fuller vision here, uh, but there is progression, and so I hope you enjoy this session. It's quite a, uh, a very interesting session here. So remember, we're looking at observation, interpretation, then application. So that's the three-fold chord I'm sort of weaving together. So uh, Zechariah chapter 3 now, and in your notes we're looking at the vision of Joshua the high priest. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll read the verses here just to uh, just get the word into our mind. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him, uh, or to oppose him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you, is not this a... Uh, a brand plucked out of the fire. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, uh, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe you with a change of raiment. And I said, uh, Let them uh, set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre, or a clean turban, New King James says on his head, and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. All right, now, there's a lot, lot in this uh, vision, and much more clearer than some of the previous ones. So what I want to do, uh, on the other side of your sheet where you've got blank, you may need to put down a uh, whole thing that we have here. All right, now, how many, how many have ever been to a court case? <coughs> how many have been to jail here? <laughs> <laughs> I've only been in jail once when I was a kid about 9 or 10 and I escaped from one of the institutions I was in. So I do have a jail record. <laughs> um, uh, a number of years ago I was, I was caught up to a court case and uh, I'm going to put it, uh, the Australian court case, and I'm not sure if you still follow uh, the line here, but this is the one I was at because what, what I want to introduce here, this is uh, uh, just an awesome passage here that we're looking at. Uh, the progression is this. So just you might like to make a note of this. The progression is this. First of all, it's the restoration of the, of the temple. Uh, so, sorry, the, yeah, the, the temple. Uh, my house will be built in it. So chapters 1 and 2, which we'll just touch on briefly uh, without uh, uh, too much detail here. So God's house is being built, the temple. Then number two, the city of Jerusalem is being restored. So that's what chapters 1 and 2. Call to repentance, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, the house of the Lord. Now we go from the city of Jerusalem being restored, God being the glory and fire in the midst, to the house of the Lord being built. 
Now we move from the house of the Lord to the high priest. So that's your, that's your order. So you can just sort of uh, follow the order that's in my little head. Okay. Restoration of the, of the city, Jerusalem. Restoration of the house of the Lord, the temple. Now number three. Restoration of the high priest. So that's it. The city, the temple, the high priest. So there is, is progression in the uh, prophet. All right. Now let me just describe something here. Uh, because um, uh, as, we're, uh, as we're looking at this, this chapter here, we're looking at a court case. Now, a number of years ago, and I don't want to get to do much to, uh, do too much detail on this, but uh, I'm going to use tabernacle or temple language, and then I'm going to sort of use Bible language into, into blended. Uh, a number of years ago, when I was working in a regular job, I was pulled aside to be on the jury, and uh, everybody swore on the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, not, not, not the truth. I wouldn't swear. Uh, the other guys did swear. Uh, yeah, they more than swore on the Bible. They swore like the devil. So I said, look, I'm a Christian. I do not believe in swearing or taking oath from the Bible. I don't know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> I, I will affirm. So you can do that in Australia. I don't know what you can do here. Uh, anyway, so as I'm, as I'm in the court case over the eight days, uh, three young men, briefly on this, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but briefly three young men, uh, they've been working together to uh, rip off old ladies, ladies particularly on the pension. So one of them would go up to an old lady that was about 90 or 100 years of age, one leg on the banana skin, one on the grave. Um, <laughs> I hope there's nobody that age here, okay. <laughs> No reflection on my wife, anyone like that. Okay. So, so one would go up to this lady and say, oh, could you change 10 shillings? We on shillings and pounds then. And as she'd open her bag to see if she had any change, then the second uh, young guy would whip around, grab the lady's bag, the two of them would run around the corner to the third guy, who had the engine going, and off they tear. So they did this for quite a number of ladies. So when the court case comes on, uh, uh, so the ladies are there, these three guys are there, these dear old ladies, you know, some of them are half blind, half deaf, and uh, they say, well, it looks like them, and the voice sounds like them, but I'm not sure. So, you know, as we go on, the case lasts about eight days, it's miserable. So I'm sitting there and being a Bible man, I'm thinking, oh, this could develop into a good message. So uh, what we see, we, 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 in our court, this one anyway, we had three partitions. So the judge came in from the room there, and uh, he had the white woolen wig on. Do your judges have that? Uh, where'd they get that? From the book of Revelation, because his hair was white, like wool. And so they had the wig. I don't know whether it's because they were bald or not. Anyway, uh, had the wig. And he came in with the books of the law under his arm. Uh, the books of the law under his arm, and then he came up and sat in his throne in the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place up there, uh, like we've got here. So the judge is sitting here with the books, just like the Ark of the Covenant that had the book of the law in it. Okay, so the books the judge. And then there was a partition there, and then immediately before that, there was the old of incense. Now, I mean, that was the box for the clerk. You say clerk or clerk? Clerk. Okay. American said, Clark, what are you talking about? Clark Gable or someone. I said, no, clerk, C-L-E-R-K. Okay, so clerk, Clark. Okay, uh, and, and he, would read, he, would read, he would read the charge against the accused. Then over to the right, this was a box for the accused that I've got on there. And uh, so uh, as the charge was read, how do you plead guilty or not guilty? So the box for the accused. 
And then opposite here, uh, over here, or over here, there was uh, some benches there for the witnesses, like the golden lampstand. They were going to throw light, hopefully, on the case. And then, <laughs> this was interesting to me, uh, over there, over this side was the 12 jurymen. Do you have 12 here? Uh, you abolish it all. Oh, shame on you. Anyway, 12 jurymen. And they were like the 12 loaves of showground. 12 loaves, I call them. They were all loafers. Uh, <laughs> I was the only one that was so. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, this is where I'm in. I'm being spiritual. This is all this stuff going on. And then there was another bale out here, or another partition. And out in here were all the court attendants, the spectators, the potatoes, potatoes, full of eyes in the outer courts. So I'm having a wonderful time. Well, so as I think of this, in God's tabernacle, once you come to Christ, uh, you come from here, here, uh, how many are glad that the box for the accused has been removed? about 65. <laughs> so in God's heaven, there's no box for the accused. Now, I said all that to say this. In the scene that we had before, we actually have a heaven's court case. The whole scene before us is in verses 1 through 2, whether it be verses 1 through to 5, or 1 through to 7, I should have read, uh, is actually a court scene of heaven. With the restoration of the temple, there is a necessity at cleansing of the high priest for ministry unto the Lord in that temple. So as I've said, Zechariah chapter 1 has dealt with the temple being rebuilt and finished. Zechariah 2 dealing with the restoration of the city of Jerusalem. Now chapter 3 is dealing with the restoration of the high priest. Now, let's put down some things here because we're, we're going to finish this in this session. But a lot more material in this vision. All right, Joshua means Jehovah is Saviour. So Joshua means Jehovah is Saviour. Joshua is the High Priest. So Joshua means Jehovah is Saviour, the High Priest. Now it would seem, uh, put down, let's see, uh, I think it's First Chronicles chapter 6 here. Let's turn over to that. I'll try not to give too much detail or I won't get this through. Turn over to, I think it's First Chronicles chapter 6 and we'll start getting the significance here. First, uh, what did I say? First Chronicles, First Chronicles, okay. First Chronicles chapter 6, and uh, put down for your notes, hopefully this is it, verse 14 to 15. Ah, uh, yeah, this is, this is it, good, okay. Yeah, I'd like you to look at this one. Uh, so in, uh, in First Chronicles chapter 6, we have up the top there the family of Levi, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merai, and the sons, and then we have the sons. All this is the priestly line, and in verse 10, and uh, Johanan began Azariah, he it is that executed the priest's office in the temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem. So we have the genealogy of the priests and the, the high priest here. Then listen to verse 15, and Jehozadak went into captivity when the Lord carried away Judah and Jerusalem by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Very important verse. So what am I saying that for? Joshua as a high priest has been in Babylon captivity. Okay, very, very important to pick that up. His garments have been defiled in Babylon. So he is in no fit place to minister in the temple of the Lord. How many get the picture now? Ask your question, you get the picture, let me say it again. So Joshua, being born in Babylon captivity, 
Mashur Bizeit here, and so he's been defiled by Babylonian, the Babylonian Talmud, and some of the things that have gone in Babylon, and so he is uh, standing in now. You want to put over here, Joshua is standing in the box of the accused. Okay, so he's in the box of the accused. Now, you'll notice back in Zechariah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, looking at, so he showed me Joshua. So Joshua means uh, Jehovah's Savior, he's the high priest. And every high priest was supposed to represent Jesus, whose name also sometimes is used as Joshua, Joshua. Jehoshua and Jesus Christ, their great high priest. So every high priest was a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest. Every prophet is a shadow and type of the prophet, the word of God. Every king was supposed to be a shadow and type of the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's what it was supposed to be. Alright, so Joshua high priest. Now, he's standing before the angel of the Lord, and I, I, I don't believe this, and most expositors say, the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So a Christophany, the Jehovah angel, or angel of the Lord. Now, not only is Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord, uh, the, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan is standing, and Satan means adversary. So Satan is adversary, means adversary, standing at his right hand to resist him, to oppose him. Now, why can Satan do that? Because you see, Joshua is clothed in filthy garments. So, Satan has ground of accusation. So, he's standing there to resist him. Now, application, so proper observation, what does the Bible say? Interpretation, what does it mean? That's what it means. Uh, application could say, okay, it's a picture of the church. Because the church, we are called to be kings and priests. And we're called to have the ministry of reconciliation. But Satan... Very plain Australian. He hates our guts. He hates the church. So if we have filthy garments and we're not living a life of holiness, Satan has ground to accuse us. So we get onto the ground of condemnation, ground of accusation. Everybody understand what I'm saying now? Yes. Okay, so that's that's the picture. So angel of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ says, Satan standing at Joshua's right hand where the accuser was, standing as his right hand to be his adversary, to resist him, to oppose him. So Satan means adversary and opponent, and he is the accuser of the brethren. Put down Job chapter 1 and 2. We won't turn to it. Oh, I won't get through this. Job chapter 1 and 2. The, the, the name of the devil in the book of Job is always Satan. So Satan came before God uh, to oppose Job, to resist Job. And God says to Satan, where the devil do you come from? No, 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 no. no that's a quite paraphrase. He said to Satan, where do you come from? He said, walking up and down to and fro in the earth. Satan can only walk, okay? All right, so to and fro in the earth. And God says to, uh, to Satan, have you seen my servant Job, that there's none like him in the all of earth, perfect and upright man? And so, you know, without doing that, Satan just says, well, Job is just serving you for what you can get out of him. You put, uh, what he can get out of you. You put a hedge about him, and if you take down the hedge and let me at him, he'll curse you to his face. So Satan the adversary. Now it's the same picture here. Satan the adversary in heavenly places, because it's a vision, standing to resist Joshua. So uh, Job chapter 1 and 2. And uh, put down Revelation chapter 12. Still on, on Satan, uh, Job, uh, Revelation 12. 
Now verses 9 to 12, so that old dragon, the devil, and Satan, so standing at the right hand place of prosecution. All right, now notice the word, and different translations use a different word here. Satan is standing to resist or to oppose, because he is the opposer, it's just to resist. Uh, why don't you just put down a couple of words here? Um, you don't have to take this down. Uh, th th this word resist I looked at uh, one time, and you see there's a resisting on both sides. See, the devil, if we're on the ground of, of pride, or uncleanness, or, or uh, lack of holiness in our life, then the devil uh, can resist us. So he's resisting the high priest. But God on his side, what does God say? God, what is God? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, so I don't want God to resist me. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So always the ground of humility. God, I need your grace. And humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will give you grace. He gives grace to the humble, but God resists the proud. He knows the proud are far off, keeps them there. So in this case, the devil is resisting the high priest, opposing him on, on certain ground. Okay, now... I want you to go back here uh, to the next part, and I better keep moving here. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuked the Satan. Now notice this, again, Joshua's not rebuking the devil. We talked about this yesterday, spiritual warfare. Joshua's not rebuking, I rebuked the devil, I sent you to hell, I sent you to lake. None of that, because he's got no ground to do it. He's clothed in filthy garments. So the Lord said to, uh, uh, the Lord said to say, the Lord rebuked thee. There's two lords here. One Lord is the Son, other Lord is the Father. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand. Michael the archangel dare not bring a railing accusation against the devil, but said the Lord rebuke you. So same thing, so we have the Father and the Son here. The Father, the Lord, and the Son, the Lord. So the Lord Jesus said to Satan, The Lord, God, the Father, rebuke you, O Satan. So it's the, father, the Son appealing to the Father. Now, I want you to go over to Exodus chapter 30 here, and we're going to pick up the part there. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that have chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the burning? Uh, let me just throw something in here. Good illustration. I remember reading this years ago. Uh, a brother in India, he was being mocked by some of his uh, Hindu relatives and so forth. And I said to him, well, what, what's Jesus Christ done for you? And he just did a very simple illustration. It was very good, though, I thought. He, he dug into the ground and he got out a worm, dug this worm out of the ground. And then he put the worm on the ground and he got a bunch of leaves and put the leaves round the round the uh, worm and, and set them on fire. And as the worm began to wriggle and squirm with the fire, he just took the worm out of the fire and he said, that's what Christ has done for me. He snatched me out of the fire as a worm. So I thought, wow, that's a good illustration. That's the picture we have here. He's a brand plucked from the burning. Being in Babylon captivity, he's plucked from the burning. All right, now the next part, verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the altar. Turn over to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter, uh, no, I'm sorry, Exodus 28. Exodus 28. 
Exodus chapter 28. And just for your notes here, without uh, any detail, Exodus chapter 28, put down, um, uh, just put down verses 1 through to 4. Exodus uh, chapter 28, verse 1 through to 4. Let me read it to you here. And uh, it says, Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he, and if you mark your Bible, this expression is used one, two, three times here that he may minister to me as priest, or minister unto me in the priest's office. Aaron, Aaron's sons, made ever by you, Eliezer and Ithamar. A significant thing here, Aaron had four sons, so Aaron and his four sons, fivefold ministry. So all Israel had to recognize fivefold ministry, Aaron and his four sons, till his sons bombed out and messed it up. But originally, five. Over the fivefold ministry, apostle, probably bear the shepherd, teach. Remember, high priest is linked with the apostle. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus Christ is both apostle and high priest. Those things are linked. All right. Uh, verse 2. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and for glory, for beauty. So Joshua, the high priest, is clothed with filthy garments. So instead of being clothed with holy garments, he's clothed with filthy garments, garments for glory and beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted, artisans, whom I fill with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make it, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest, or minister unto me in the priest's office. Second expression, minister to me, minister to me. Then verse 4, he lists out the garments. And these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, um, a turban, a sash. So shall they make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me as priest. And maybe it was something like this. But you just think the beauty is Aaron the high priest, uh, clothed in the garments of glory and beauty. The linen garments, the ephod, the, the bells and the pomegranates, uh, the gold woven between the twelve stones, the turban, the mitre of holiness unto the Lord, engraved on this gold mitre and so forth, ministering in the old of incense. Now instead of all this, Joshua is clothed with filthy garments. That's the picture that we have. Okay, so uh, that helps us. So let's go back to Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, Zechariah chapter 3, pardon me. Okay, so pick up verse, verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the Lord. Alright. And he answered and spake to those that stood by, so probably angelic beings there, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused you iniquity to pass from you, and I will clothe you with change of raiment. So cleansing, consecration, change of raiment. That's the picture that we have here. Alright, so... The, uh, the high priest garments were garments of glory and beauty and to minister before the Lord. How can he minister before the Lord in, uh, in uh, filthy garments? I'm reading off my note here. In Persian courts, uh, for the accused to be clothed in such garments, and these garments were defiled by Babylon. So what I believe has happened here, uh, Joshua being born in Babylon, being polluted by Babylon, Elonian traditions and uh, who knows, idolatry, whatever. So before he can minister to the Lord, he's got to be cleansed. Uh, filthy garments, significant of self-righteous rags, filthy garments of the flesh. Uh, put down 
somewhere in Jude. Uh, somewhere in Jude, uh, Jude says, hating the garment spotted by the flesh, referring to the leprous garment, and uh, also put down Leviticus chapter 13, Leviticus 13 verses 47 to 50, Leviticus 13 verse 47 to 15, and in that, that, that passage we have the law concerning filthy garments or the, the, the leprous garments. So two things have to, uh, to happen with the leprous garment. They either have to be washed in water, and if the leprosy was still there after the washing in water, then the garments were to be burnt. Okay, so if people don't come clean with the washing of water by the word, that garment had to be burnt. All right, now, let's go on to the next part. So he said, take away the filthy garments. So there's a stripping naked there of those filthy garments and clothed with a change of raiment. And then in verse 5, I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So now we come to the turban. And so we've got here, when the turban, or the mitre is referred to, was put upon Aaron's head, a mitre of fine linen. Then they had this gold plate here, uh, holiness unto the Lord, on the forehead, on the mind. So holiness of thought, uh, on the mind here. Okay? Now, let's go down to the next part, which I didn't read. So, the angel of the Lord stood by, so they set a fair mind upon his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Now, next part. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, uh, or admonished Joshua, <coughs> says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in, and if you mark your Bible, I've underlined the four mys here, if you will walk in my ways, and keep my charge, then you shall also judge my house, and shall also keep my courts. So if you mark your Bible, well worth marking those four things. So the charge, the admonition, if you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, yeah, then you will also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here, so like in heavenly places. All right, then we move on to the next prophecy here. So uh, that, that's the picture that we have. It's like a court case, ground of accusation. All right, now what I'd like to finish on that part, so that's a good picture. And if you take application for the church, you and I are called to be kings and priests under God. We've got to keep our garments clean, not give uh, Satan any ground of accusation. There's no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus and walk after the Spirit, not walk after the flesh. Why don't you take this down as a sermon outline because that's what I'm sort of condensing here. And uh, if you want to use it, don't mess it up when you preach it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so seven C's that we have in this vision, the vision of Joshua the high priest. Save the adversary, plucked as a brand from the fire, cleansing the change of guns. All right, number one, we see Joshua condemned, ground of condemnation, unclean garments, filthy garments, defiled from the Babylonian situation. Number two, Joshua cleanse, take away the filthy garments, verse four. Uh, number three, Joshua clothe, give him a change of raiment, so clean garments, uh, washed and made clean. Number four, Joshua crown, set a fair mitre upon his head, a turban, and of course the golden mitre. Number five, Joshua charge, Admonish, if you keep my ways, walk in my paths and keep my command. So the charge. And then number six, Joshua challenge. 
uh, you'll, you'll be uh, walking heavenly places and stand among these, uh, uh, these uh, ones hereby. And then number seven, Joshua is commissioned. That's the whole picture. So that's just a good uh, message outline. All right, how many enjoyed studying the vision of Joshua? Thank you, all six of you. All right, so page nine, continue on here. Let's go to the next uh, vision that we have here. And this uh, vision, just very briefly, is the vision of the branch. The vision of the branch. All right, let me read it. So Joshua chapter 3 and uh, verse 4. So it says, Hear now, O Joshua the high priest. So picture, he's being cleansed now. Change of raiment, his cloak, maybe in the garments of glory and beauty. And he's ready to minister to the Lord. Now the Lord gives him a, uh, a messianic prophecy. So he says in verse 8, Hear now, O Joshua the high priest. Uh, you and your fellows that sit before you, for they are men wandered out. So it would be the high priest and the other under priest. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Right now, what I want to do here is, uh, this is a messianic prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as the branch, and you'll find that this uh, expression, the branch, uh, is used in, particularly in relation to the four Gospels. So what I'd like you to do on this messianic prophecy is do this. I'm going to give you the four major references to the branch, so uh, this is just a theme we're looking at. Uh, a theme concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, so the branch. So, first of all, we have Matthew. Let me just see if that's how my notes go. Uh, yeah, Matthew. Uh, Matthew has two T's in it, isn't it? Okay. And then we have the Gospel of Mark. And then we have the Gospel of Luke. And then we have the Gospel of John. Now, there's four Old Testament prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as the branch, and uh, each of them find their fulfillment in the four Gospels. So let's uh, go to the first one here. I'd like you to look at these scriptures. Uh, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. So we're looking at the vision concerning the branch, and uh, Zechariah is just adding to that vision. So... Um, Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah 23, and uh, verse 5, and again we still have to read, read it in the light of uh, what's going on in Jeremiah's time, so Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 5, Behold the days come, says the Lord, or the days are coming, says the Lord, that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch, Remember that the kings of the house of David in Jeremiah's time, Jeremiah sees the last five kings of uh, the house of Judah just rooted out, torn down. Zedekiah is the last king. They have been a bad bunch of kings. So he says, I'm going to raise up unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall be uh, dwell safely, and this is his name, whereby he shall be called Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Okay, now, this is fulfilled, so what you can do is put uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. This is the Old Testament prophecy, so a king shall reign in righteousness. So 23, verse 5, and Matthew is the gospel of the king. Presents Jesus Christ as the king, the gospel of the kingdom, the king. 
And in the genealogy there, Jesus Christ is presented as the righteous branch and the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sidkinia, one put up there, that that belongs there, the Gospel of Matthew, a fulfillment of the prophecy of the branch, the King, the righteous branch, the King, and the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sidkinia. All right, number two, let's go to the next one, and we'll go over to Zechariah chapter 3, Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, well, I've already given you that. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42. And uh, verse 1, Isaiah 42, verse 1. And we'll link it with uh, Zechariah chapter 3. And he says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, uh, mine elect, one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. He will establish justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall walk in his law. Definitely a messianic promise uh, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and quoted in the New Testament. So you can put down for uh, next one here, Isaiah chapter 42. And the emphasis there is, Behold my servant. So in Zechariah chapter 3 verse 8, which you can also put in that column, he says, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. So my servant, the branch. Behold my servant. So the Gospel of Mark presents Christ as the servant. The servant, the branch, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, behold, my servant, mine elect. So, Gospel Mark is the servant, all right, Christ presented as the servant, the branch. Okay, now let's go to number three here, and uh, we look at uh, the Gospel of Luke. Go over to Zechariah chapter six now, Zechariah chapter six, where the prophecy is picked up again, Zechariah chapter six. And in verse, uh, verse, verse 12, you'll notice a little slight, a slight different emphasis, emphasis here. And speak unto him, this is to, uh, to Joshua again, and speak unto him, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he will build the temple of the Lord. Behold the man whose name is the branch. So, in this column now for the Gospel of Luke, you can put Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 8. The man whose name is the branch. So here... Uh, six, I'm sorry, yes, 6.12. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Okay, Zechariah 6.12. And here Christ is presented as the man. Let me explain something while I'm saying this. See, in, in, in the genealogy of Christ in Matthew... His genealogy is traced back to King David to Abraham, kingship. In Mark, there's no genealogy. A servant, who worries about a servant's genealogy? No genealogy. In the Gospel of Luke, the genealogy is traced back to Adam, who was the son of God, the first man. So emphasis in kingship here, emphasis in servanthood here, emphasis on his humanity in the Gospel of Luke, tra genealogy tracing back not to King David, but to Adam, the first man, the son of God. Adam's called a son of God there. All right, now number four, the uh, fourth prophecy we have 
is emphasis on his divinity. And we'll go over to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. So just the progressive revelation of God concerning the branch. So Isaiah chapter 4. And we'll pick up in verse 2. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2. Uh, New authorized capitalizes again, seeing it as a messianic prophecy. And it says, um, Isaiah 4 verse 2, In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. So the branch of the Lord, the branch of Jehovah. And then uh, there's another scripture I want to give you there. Um, Uh, yes, 11. Thank you. Yes, 11. Thank you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11. That's it. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, Isaiah chapter 11. I'll uh, put that one down. So, verse uh, 1. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, from where David come, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the sevenfold spirit, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, spirit of wisdom, uh, an understanding, spirit of counsel, might, spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord, so a branch. Alright, now the emphasis on those two prophecies, Isaiah 4 and Isaiah 11, uh, you can put them down in this column, Isaiah 4 and Isaiah 11, and it's emphasis on the deity of Christ, or his divinity, so his di divinity, uh, the deity, the branch of Jehovah, the Jehovah branch. Alright, now let's just... Uh, uh, finish this part here. What you can put under here is that uh, in the branch prophecies from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zechariah, Isaiah, and Isaiah again here, uh, there's this emphasis on the sonship. So here in Matthew, Jesus is presented as the son of David. The son of David. Here he's presented as the Oh, forget that one. There's a uh, son, there's an emphasis there. Uh, let's go to Luke anyway. He who is presented as the Son of Man, and he who is presented as the Son of God. Anybody remember the Mark one? There is an emphasis on sonship there. Uh, I forget it at the moment. It might come to me later. Okay. So, Son of, son of David, kingship, Son of Man, uh, Luke, and Son of God. There is something here that I can't think. Anybody remember that one? Servant son, he is that, but there's a son of something there. Uh, just can't remember. Anyway, so it's an emphasis on sonship. So each of the branch prophecies have an emphasis on sonship. Okay, someone might find that. All right, now let's go on just before we break uh, the brunch here. So uh, on page nine, we've looked at uh, Joshua the high priest. In the vision of the branch. All right, now let's go for our last part before we uh, break for brunch here. In page uh, 10. All right, now we have the vision of the stone with the seven eyes. So we go back to Zechariah again. So in Zechariah chapter, chapter 3 and then verse 9 we have another messianic prophecy, prophecy concerning Christ. So uh, after the branch, he says, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. And behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, says the Lord, 
of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. All right, so uh, I put down some scriptures there, the shepherd's stone. So uh, the, the, the stone pops is like the branch. And I'll just give you some uh, scriptures here you might like to add to this. Uh, Genesis chapter 49, 24, we have the shepherd's stone. So the shepherd's stone. Uh, Genesis chapter 28, gave you this the other day on the, on the stone. So the Bethel stone, this stone, uh, which I've set for a pillow, shall be a pillar. And it became the anointed stone. So we have emphasis on that, the stone. And then uh, put down some other scriptures here, just following that theme of the stone. And all the prophets seem to emphasize this. Um, uh, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. Just a, a, a general Bible theme. Exodus 17. The smitten rock. Speak to the rock and the waters flow forth. So Exodus 17. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. And verse 13 to 18, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, verse 13 to 18 says, The Lord is our rock. So God is referred to as a rock. Isaiah chapter 28, and verse 16. Isaiah 28, and verse 16. I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. So whether you say stone or rock, it's the same uh, theme. So I lay in Zion for a foundation, a uh, stone. Uh, Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah 8, verse 13 to 15. Isaiah 8, verse 13 to 15. And he says that he set forth the Lord as a stone of stumbling and rock of offense. So whether we say stone or rock, so stone of stumbling, rock of offense. And then remember that Jesus said uh, in Matthew 16, Verse 19 and 20, Matthew 16, verse 19 and 20. Upon this rock I will build my church. So upon this rock, upon this stone. And then the last one here is uh, what we looked at in Daniel chapter 2. So Daniel 2, verse 34 to 35. Daniel 2, verse 34 to 35. The stone cut out the mountain without hand and it fills the whole earth, the stone kingdom. So there's a whole theme through the Bible on this, and Zacharias is adding to part of the jigsaw puzzle. So Christ is the Bethel stone, he's the shepherd stone, he's the anointed stone, he's the smitten stone, he's the Lord our rock, he's the stone of stumbling, rock of offense, he's the foundation stone, he's the headstone, and he comes the second time as the spying stone. So for your studious, if you go through that theme of, of, the, uh, of, of the stone, you'll find it begins with Jacob, and it actually covers the whole life story of Christ. So in Jacob, the stone that he set up for a pillar is first a, a, a place of rest, and it becomes the anointed stone. Then as you follow through, it becomes the smitten stone. Then as you follow through, it becomes the rejected stone. Then later on, it becomes the stone of stumbling, rock of offense. The New Testament writers pick it up. And the last manifestation, particularly in Daniel, is it's the smiting stone. So God just uses this stone as a history, prophetic history, a symbolic history of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, after we have brunch, we're going to go on to vision number eight and look at the golden ball of the lampstand. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.